Welcome to the Tell Janice Radio Show, where you will hear inspiring stories about life, love, and labor from amazing women to help lift you up. Now, here's your host, Janice. Thanks for listening, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm so happy that you can join us. I'm sure we're going to learn a lot about our guest today, but before we get started, I would like to remind you all to go on to telljanice.com to give a shout-out to any fabulous female for words of encouragement, acknowledgement, or congratulations. My first guest today is Liz Bentley from Liz Bentley & Associates. She is out of Huntington, New York. Liz Bentley's business is about leadership development and organizational consulting, and she's going to talk to us today about succession planning. Welcome, Liz. Hi. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for being on today. I always like to get started on the show with having our guests tell a little bit about themselves. Can you start with that? Um, Sure. I um, Let's see. Well, I grew up in New York, and I was the youngest uh, girl in a family of with three older brothers. <laughs> so I learned, um, played a lot of sports as a kid, and definitely was raised in um, kind of a male world, which I think ended up being helpful um, in me developing a business today and in today's world. And another thing that was kind of interesting from, and it was a very like, sporty family, we were always kind of skiing and doing stuff like that, and hiking and doing all those kind of things. And I played pretty serious sports growing up, which also I think was helpful in my business. I um I played division 1 soccer and lacrosse at the University of Virginia where both of our teams were in the top 5 in the country. Wow. And I also played on the um I played with a national team in soccer. So so that background um helped me a lot as I kind of navigated a lot of my adult life. Um you know, kind of going going forward. So that was um, a little bit of the background there. And then just the background in getting into the business that I'm in, um, I started my career at CBS Network working in television and in the sports division. And then eventually I moved over to Wired Magazine where I sold ad space and became the ad director, which was which was basically running worldwide sales for Wired Magazine. And we were bought at that time by Condé Nast. So we were at Conde Nast and kind of working with all the big publishing houses um, or working in a big publishing house. So that was kind of what I did then. Um, Then I had children, (laughs) three children Mm -hmm. with my husband, who I've been married to for 20 years, and stopped working for a number of years to kind of be with them and get them going, and then went back to NYU to get my coaching degree and started with coaching and kind of my business went from there. Wow, that's amazing to go from being a, a child in sports to into the universities and then going to CBS Network, Wired Magazine, Children. Wow, that's that's a lot of accomplishment. So There was a lot of fun. We, one stop along the way that I didn't mention was right after college, I went. this is probably one of the best things I ever did in my life. I went to Aspen and taught skiing for a year, and that was fantastic. That was a good, that was wow. a really nice way to go off the course but have a really amazing experience. Um, and I always encourage young people to do things like that when they're young before they start their careers because it's a good time to do it. So that was Absolutely. something that was that was really fun. Did that help you? The the Was it a year in Aspen teaching skiing? Did that help you kind of make your transition into succession planning? I mean, does that work? That, do you go from doing that probably? Into what of- I'm doing today? Well, what happened was um, – 
No, I'd say what happened is, I, you know, I taught skiing for a year in Aspen, and I worked on, I volunteered in the World Cup and all this stuff, and then I ended up getting a job on, at ESPN in Aspen on one of their ski shows, and that helped me transition to the job at CBS. So that was really where I got that. And then the succession planning, how I got into that, really came from the coaching. I started coaching first just on an individual basis, and then I started, you know, people started asking me to do training programs, and then I started doing a lot more teaching and speaking. Um, and I just got into bigger and bigger companies and higher and higher up in the food chain. And eventually, and then I just started to see what the organizational issues were and where people were getting stuck, and I started coaching at a much higher level. And what helped me with, organ- with the succession planning was really just understanding business, having a good background in corporations, you know, at CBS and at Condé Nast in my previous careers, um, and then just working with all these individuals and, you know, understanding what, com- you know, what organizations are up against with culture and age and, you know, and all the things that are going on. Do you think, Liz, that your experience that you had to go through the kind of being with CBS and and large corporations like that would lead you to working on your own? No, I think, um, no, probably the thing that pushed me to work on my own was originally the desire to have the flexibility as a parent um, and having young children was probably the first thing that pushed me to work on my own. But I also, I like the creativity and the hustle and the independence. You know, to be an entrepreneur, it takes a really certain personality type. And I think I have that personality type, so it works well for me. A lot of women ask me about it because a lot of women, you know, desire having their own business with that flexibility. Um, But it's really, it's, you know, it's not made for everyone. But it is made for me. (laughs) Right, and I think a lot of us as as females with children, and I have three, so I know the flexibility is really key. So that that what I'm hearing is that your that kind of led you that necessity to be with your children and have flexibility led you into kind of being an entrepreneur and working on your own. Oh yeah, no question. There's no question. That's that was originally, but I also I do think one other thing that probably pushed me into it is I I feel like I have been an original thinker in that I have a lot of my own ways of doing things and processes and that I've picked up and I've liked being able to be unique in that way and and because of that I've been able to position my company in that way and I I have now three coaches who work for me and I'm looking to expand that to five in the next three months and I have a staff of three other employees. So, you know, we've we've definitely grown a lot. Um and I think a lot of that unique positioning has come from that. Right, right. But having um, said that, I think companies would benefit a lot more from offering a lot more flexibility to women because I think they'd attract a lot more women working at higher levels. That's that's correct. Um, I know from my experience, too, and I think working um, sort of in more autonomy and working at home helps if you can be virtual. I think a lot of companies yeah. need to move towards that. No Definitely. question. Yeah. So with your succession planning, getting to that, um, why do so many companies need help with succession planning right now? Well, you know, there's a lot of interesting things happening in the in the workforce right now. For starters, a lot of baby boomers, older baby boomers, and what we call traditionalists, the people who are in the, the category of 70-plus, baby boomers are aged around 50 to 65, and, and traditionalists are, no, sorry, 65-plus, 
um, are really not aging out of the workforce well. So um, a lot of people in those age groups, um, you know, their work has been their identity. It's been a lot of their life. It's where they find their happiness. They love going to work every day, and which is great for them. But the problem is because they're not aging out, um, there's no room for people to grow up into their jobs. And also because they're not aging out, they are not updated in the technology systems and, um, you know, not moving as fast and have um, other, you know, have – you would say traditional ways of working, but some of those traditional ways of working can be not as effective. So the, the succession planning, you know, we've seen a little bit of, um, you know, we, I mean, it, there, we've sometimes seen a little bit of trouble of, of, of getting more fluidity inside of organizations and change and mobility. I mean, and I even think a lot of the millennials are suffering because of this. Um, while the millennials have issues and, we, you know, there's a lot of talk about millennials, the thing that I, um, some of the stuff that's being pinned on millennials is unfair. It's actually just related to other people not being willing to adapt. Mm-hmm. So this, this is just, true. Yeah, so there's just not as much fluidness, you know. So, you know, I've gotten into succession planning with a lot of older leaders who, you know, are trying to figure out how to build a bench around them. So that they can leave, so that they can work less. You know, they want to. They want to. You know, I have a lot of leaders who want to work half a year. You know, like they want. I mean, they, you right. know, they want to work throughout the year, but they want to go away for a month in the summer. They want to go for away for a month in the winter. They want to, you know, take off a number of days each season. You know, they just want to slow down a lot for good reason. Right. The, so what you're saying here is the traditional ways. Um, that those people that you're helping the 70 plus age group are having trouble yeah. kind of exiting out. And, yeah, and well, even, I mean, to be honest with you, even everybody in their sixties, I mean, you have to remember the uh, retirement age used to be 65 and people would get to 65 and, and retire. And now you talk to people in their sixties, they'll say to you, I'm not even close to being ready to retire. I don't even, you know, like number one, they can't afford it. Um, 59% of baby boomers are financially providing for their adult children. That's amazing. Um, yeah, 59%. That's a very, very high number. Okay? So what that means is you've got baby boomers who are paying for cell phones, health insurance, car payments, rent, you name it. Um, because they're doing that, they can't afford – and adult children, you know, that means you're out of college to 35, Right? Or, or longer, okay? So they are looking at their life and they're saying, I can't afford to stop working. You know, I can't afford. And by the way, because they're not affording to stop working, then because they have that problem, they're not opening it up for those adult children to get more spaces. <laughs> right. Spaces in the lineup. Like it's kind of a catch-22. They're financially supporting the, ch- the adult children because the adult children don't have the opportunity to make more money. Yeah, that's that's that pretty sense? prevalent in our society. Oh, absolutely. I know that from experience. I have adult children myself, um, even with college educations. So it's, yeah. it's getting harder and harder for them to find um, a job that would support themselves in, in the economy today, even to afford an apartment on their own. It's difficult. Right. So what happens is that the baby boomers all have those high-paying good jobs, and they're not letting them go because they're supporting mm-hmm. now the adult children and – they uh, they want to they either need to make the money they want to make the money or they just this is their identity they don't want to move on. 
Right. Right. So there's just a lot of lack of attrition. Now let's just talk about companies in general. So like that's the problem in society. If you look at a specific company where the problem lies, so in some cases there are companies that say, I look, I want to um, create succession planning. I want to do it. I want to let go of the reins. I, like I said, I want to work half a year or less. I want to build it. Then we go in and we kind of help them um, – you know, we, we help them build a bench, you know, because they haven't been building a bench because they haven't been thinking about leaving. So when I say build a bench, what I mean is, I mean, you know, build talent, build a talent pipeline, build up people around mm-hmm. them who could take over their jobs. Mm-hmm. Right. And so they have to start to think about who is going to be, you know, who do they have in the talent pipeline that they're building to the next level. So does your team of consultants, what exactly do they do to help navigate through that? and helping building that bench? Well, we do a lot of different things. I mean, one thing that I find is really effective is first we go in um, and we run an employee engagement survey. I say, um, I kind of give always a doctor analogy. Like we go in, you know, if you go into the doctor and you say, you know, I've got, I've got pain in my side. And most people will say to the doctor, I've got pain in my side, and I think the reason I have this pain is because it's my appendix, Right. So then the doctor is going to say, all right, well, let's do an exam and figure out where that pain is really coming from. You know, it could be your appendix, but it could be all these other things, right? So the same thing happens to us. A company calls us and they say, um, you know, we're having a struggle in our company, and I think it's because we're not communicating enough, okay? And it could be that. That could be it. But it could be a number of other things. So we've got to run our own diagnostics to figure out what's really going on because usually, you know, there's a lot more – there might be, you know, the pain could be your appendix, but the pain could be a slip disc, you know, in the back of your back, mm-hmm. and you just don't know that. So we, we employ engagement surveys. We have a number of other type of personality and behavioral assessments that we run. Um, and the things that we can uncover is we uncover where the company has cultural challenges. Um, so, for example, maybe the people in the company really respect the leaders but don't trust them. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe uh, trust is high, but communication is low. Maybe nobody's giving enough um, positive or negative feedback. Um, maybe they're giving, they're creating, they're moving too fast and changing direction without, you know, giving any quality, you know, or process in place. Um, so we can figure out company cultural issues like that. We can then also figure out leadership challenges. Maybe three leaders are really strong, but one leader is really weak. And so that department suffers and people feel like it's unfair. Um, You know, a whole variety of issues. That comes from engagement surveys. And we can, can, you know, we can specify them any way we want. And then um, we also, like I said, do behavioral assessments. And in the behavioral assessments, we'll find out, you know, do they they hire a team of everybody with the same behavioral type? (laughs) And sometimes mm-hmm. when they do that, that can be a, a challenge because they have all people who think only in one dimension. And what can be a problem is that, you know, the world thinks in lots of dimensions. Um, so, you know, sometimes people hire themselves or sometimes they hire their opposite and then don't hire anyone like themselves. So there's no one who challenges them. So, um, so those are some things we see in the diagnostics. Well, a lot of our listeners may be wondering um, if they're self-employed, what should they be doing if they don't have a large business? What should they do for succession planning or or, or what should they do? What do you mean? Um, For succession planning, if it's not a large business and just if they're self-employed with a smaller business, should they be doing something different 
than maybe what you're doing? Would it be um, wise for them to hire a set of coaches like yourself to help for their their exit? Or does it matter? Yeah, no, yes, no question. I mean, they, you know, if our coach is working with somebody, you know, with more of the entrepreneurial category, which we also do, in addition to the bigger businesses, um, you know, then, you know, it's really, it's an advisor. That person, the, the coach becomes an advisor. They advise you on everything. You know, they can really, they're like your confidant who comes in unbiased, in an unbiased way. Um, you know, versus talking to a friend or something, you know, they can really sit and say, all right, you know, here are places where you have bad habits or you get into trouble. Here are places where you're really happy and comfortable and make make sense. I mean, if you're a small business, you want to be thinking about whether you're going to sell or whether you're going to, um, you know, or if you're going to pass it on to somebody else. I mean, those are kind of the two choices right. in a way of a small business. So is your company saleable? And if you wanted it to be saleable, what would you need to do to get it to that level? Right. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, and then the other thing is if it's, if it's, you know, if that's not what you want to do, you want to keep it in your family or you want to, you know, you have some, some, you know, you want to keep a hand in it and keep going for a while, but you want someone else to run it, then you have to start to build up a team below you. And you have to have a plan. Right. You know, is it a 10-year right. plan? Is it a 20-year plan? Is it a 5-year plan? You know, and you want to have at least, you don't want to, you don't want to, I mean, you can have a 1-year plan, but it's better if you're looking at something at least 5 years out because that gives you a lot of time. Right. That's that's terrific advice for small and large businesses. And I'm wondering, Liz, when you were starting your career, what impact did it have on your relationship, if at, a, if at all, and how did it, it affect you and your significant other deal with that? In other words, how did you balance everything? Oh, it impacted my relationship a lot. <laughs> it's a really good question. Um, so, you know, it was a big, it was a big shift. So at first, um, when I first started my career, well, when, let me just start when I met my husband and we were work, you know, we, I was working. And so he, you know, he knew me as a working professional and I was promoted every year of my career. So he was, you know, he's very, you know, really lived with me during a very intense time in my career. But then I stopped and I had children and our dynamic changed a lot because I was a stay-at-home mom. And I was really, you know, during the, all those years of birthing and nursing and babies and pregnancies, you know, that's a very different time in your life as far as professionalism. So going back to get my degree in coaching and starting this business, he was first very hesitant because it was meaning, you know, he had to take on more responsibility and I was shifting a little bit out of some of that. And so he it was resist he was resistant at first, even though he's very supportive of me, he just he just was resistant. So I had to definitely push. Um I had to push and push back right. to kind of say this is what I want to do and 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 when I did he understood and was always cooperative but it it always required conversations and sometimes it required fights I mean it was just the way mm-hmm. it was and I think I think that's important for women to know because I see women a lot start to push for what their dream is and they get sidelined by it because their husband is resistant and they let that happen and then they resent their husband later and Absolutely. you know you have to you really have to advocate for yourself. But now you know fast forward, whatever it is, seven or six years later, seven years later, his business has turned upside down because he worked in the finance industry, and so his business mm-hmm. has completely changed. And my business is booming, and he couldn't be happier. 
<laughs> you know, now he's <laughs> thrilled because you know I'm, my business is interesting and it's uh, he thinks you know he thinks it's fascinating and interesting and a fun business. The business is doubling every year, um, and it you know and and it, you know we've had to keep slowly adjusting because he was he trades foreign currency, and that's a pretty crazy schedule. But um, but we've had to do a lot of balancing. Um, but he, but you know, now he's very, very supportive, and that's, um, but that's going to come over a slow evolution, right? And it's, it's sort of role reversal, you know. It's that's the struggle yeah. a lot of us females have. I've I've been at, you know, in that on my, um, in my own experience too. So, and it's definitely a shift in a relationship, definitely. Well, it is uh, a big shift, and you have to also, um, you have to delegate as a woman and I think that's really hard for women to do it's easy to delegate sometimes at work but you have to delegate in your household responsibilities and you know because I think women have a tendency to just take it all on you know like I'll make the doctor's appointments and I'll do this and I'll do that you know and then all of a sudden um, I mean for me personally I found that I was getting really stressed and my stress level was so high because I was doing everything, you know, I was coaching the soccer team, I was coaching the lacrosse teams, I was, you know, running this big business, I was, you know, making all the doctor's appointments, I was doing all that, even with an assistant and all the other stuff, that my stress got so high um, that I was I was unpleasant, <laughs> and no one oh. in the family likes that. Nobody wants a stressed out mom. <laughs> so... <laughs> So when I took a lot of stuff off my plate and I had um, a, a couple of Zen moments and everyone realized how much nicer it was to be around a non-stressed-out mother, um, my husband much more gladly took on a lot of responsibilities um, because it was just, you know, he just, he's, he's reasonable, he understands, like you have to, you know, it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of responsibility to run a big company or a growing company, I should say. And so, you know, I have a, luckily a fabulous husband um, who's smart. I mean, my husband went to Harvard. He's smart. He's competent. He was an all-American lacrosse player. This is not a shrinking violet, <laughs> you know. Right. He's a highly competent human being. Um, and because of that, he's very evolved, you know. So mm-hmm. that was that's very lucky. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, no, it's, you have to be in it together. And I will say also I run a much better business when my husband's really involved in my children's lives because he's really smart and he's really good at good at it and he's better at a lot of it than me i mean he's much better at homework than i am um mm. and when i come home to children who are being really well taken care of um you know we're all a lot happier <laughs> well it sounds like you've been able to balance all of that with you know i think it's because also you have this entrepreneurial background and drive that's helped you do that between you and your husband, you've balanced, sounds like, significantly and done a great job doing that. Well, um, it's, I definitely, like your- it's always a work in progress. You're always changing. You're always evolving. You're always making it better. But you have to be in it together. I mean, that is so, so, so important. You really have to be working together and in it together. Um, it's, it's I just can't stress that enough. It's hard. You can't. And the women, for women, you can't take on too much. It just backfires. You can't do it. You're human. And you have to um, right. you have to delegate. There's just no way around it. I mean, you can't be doing the laundry and you know, or whatever it is. You know, you have to um, you have to figure out ways to have sanity. Because you know, That's if you have right. three kids, you've got a lot on your plate. Levels. What'd you say? Mm-hmm. 
yeah, our stress levels can get to a point where, you know, we're like, is this worth it? Can I do it? Um, so I think delegating and, you know, I'm learning a lot myself about chores with children. And, um, yeah. you know, when you don't yeah. delegate those chores, you're left doing them all. And, and that's everything right. else. It, and with your no, that you're exactly right. You have to delegate it to the children too. The children, to the children, to the husband, the women in general. I mean, I coach a lot of very senior women, and I've lately been having to coach them a lot around finding sanity and peace. And you know, I mean, they want me to coach them all the time on just business, but then I have to stop and say, okay, when are you giving your brain a rest? Forget about exercise. It's just that's not even on the. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not that's not even an option. Let's just talk about brain rest. When is your brain getting a rest? Because you need recovery. If you don't get brain recovery, you won't think clearly. You won't remember conversations, and your stress level will be too high. You know, and Absolutely. great if you can get some exercise too. That would be terrific. But and, and you know, this is coming from an athlete, so don't get me wrong. I understand how important exercise is, but you know, I have to be, you know, we all have to be realistic with how much people have on their plates. Yeah, there comes a kind of a, a breaking point where you can you can or cannot fit into that, you know, or fit that one hour workout into your schedule with everything. And you do so many things. Um, I have a question for you. Since you have three children, what would there um be one thing that your children would say that you try to instill in them? Um, what comes to mind? What um value or virtue? Ooh. Value. Wow, I don't know. That's a really tough question. Or even with your, you know, you growing up with your mom, what did, or dad, what did they But You know what I would say? I mean, I probably, this is coming to me mostly for my son, who's the oldest right now, but I definitely would give it to the younger ones. So they're 15, 12, and 9, so it's all a little bit different. But I've taught, my son's a really serious lacrosse player, and I've always taught him about resilience. And that's definitely something my parents taught me. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, that you have to, um, you know, you have to be resilient. You know, that you're going to get knocked down. That's part of life. But it's 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 the getting back up that makes you successful um, and right. really makes you a winner. Is that, you you know, you, you have to expect that things are going to go wrong. That's okay. That's That's not something you get upset about. That's just part of the process. And to get used to that, you know, that it's okay that something, you know, and and I think people who push themselves in life um, are going to have more things go wrong because they're taking higher risk. If you don't take any risk, nothing will ever go wrong, but then you may not be living to your full potential. So if you really want to live to your full potential, and my dad would always say, um, if you're not having a big wipeout when you water ski, you're really not skiing. <laughs> that might not be a great example, <laughs> but it's really kind of a funny one because, you know, he's saying you got to always be pushing that limit, you know. And I don't like to wipe out when I water ski, but you do have to push, you know, you, you get more satisfaction in life, so I think, from living to your full potential than feeling like That's you left right. stuff on the table. So that's you right. have to recognize things are going to go wrong, and when they go wrong, you need to be resilient. That that's just part of the journey. Yeah, I love that. So resilience that's that's really significant, and um, I'm appreciative that you told our audience that. Um, I want to ask you about the DISC assessment to assess leadership style on your website. Can you tell mm-hmm. us about that? Yeah, we do that all the time. Um, that's the behavioral assessment that puts you into one of four categories. And when you take it, it you know it tells whether you're a D, an I, 
an S or a C. And what's really valuable about that is once you understand what your assessment is like and what your behavior type is like, you can learn how to navigate all the other ones better. And we'd like, I said, we'd like to do it on teams to see where kind of teams fall because sometimes we have teams that fall to one side, and that can be, that can be a little bit dangerous. Dangerous Absolutely. in the sense that, you know, you've too much of one mindset. Right, right. I got on your website um, the other day to start that DISC assessment, so I think I'm going to go ahead and do that. But for our listeners, can you mm-hmm. let everybody know how to get in touch with you? Yeah, sure. Um, you can you can find us um, at LizBentley.com. That's our website. You can email me at Liz at LizBentley.com. Um, and if you're going to do the DISC assessment, um if you manage people, you want to do it for a manager. If you're in sales, you want to do it as a salesperson. Um, or otherwise, you, if you're a leader, you want to do the work of leaders, which shows like where your vision is and your execution and your alignment, which is your ability to um, create alignment with your team. Or you can just do the regular one. Okay. All well, of them are valuable. So thank you so much, um, Liz, for being a guest today. It's been very interesting, informative, fascinating, all of the above um, the discussion. <laughs> I've learned a lot about um, and from you, and I'm sure our listeners have as well. I really appreciate the information ideas. Thank you so much. Sure. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. I want to take time out to give two shout-outs today. Um, one coming from a Tracy Simons who would like to give a shout out to Bobby Doyle, who is an inspiration to many. She's the founder of the Evelyn Grace Foundation, which sponsors children and their families who have children fighting um, childhood cancer. They do this by providing faith, um, love, and hope. This is a nonprofit pediatric foundation. Our second shout out goes to Robin um, Benicasa, the Project Athena Foundation, a nonprofit that encourages women who've endured life altering medical setbacks to unleash the athlete and adventure within to complete the adventure of a lifetime. It sounds terrific. I've been on their website. Please visit at projectathena.org. And stay tuned. We're going to take a short break. Thank you very much. Every three minutes, another woman gets the news that she has breast cancer. And here are some of the first words she hears. Hertenew oncogene, aromatase inhibitor, ductocarcinoma in situ. What do these words mean? How are you going to decide what to do if you can't even say what you have? Listen to me, Shirley Jones. As soon as you get your diagnosis, go to breastcancer.org. It's a special place on the Internet where you can learn how to say all those breast cancer words and find out what they mean. At breastcancer.org, you can learn more about your particular kind of cancer and your treatment options. Prepare a list of questions for your next doctor's visit and get all kinds of other useful information to guide you and your family through this. Breastcancer.org, the first place to go the minute you find out you have breast cancer. You've been listening to the Tell Janice Radio Show. If you'd like to be a guest or suggest a guest for the show, or if you would like to nominate a fabulous female for a shout-out by Janice on the live show, please visit www.telljanice.com. Please share this episode with your social network and help us lift women up. Join us next week for another episode of Tell Janice. Thanks Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Tell Janice Radio Show, where you will hear inspiring stories about life, love, and labor from amazing women 